song there. Make we tell you, dance and no waste like a disgrace. If you think a joke, take a walk in a deep place. In a corner, me see face cool face. If you ever walk near a man's shoes, yes. Big bad man up a gun up a waist and a Heineken dust in a your face. One blood sound, one back with water pumping with cool and deadly. Dance you're too punker. Make man a move in the dance like junkie. We want back, we want a pumpy, we cool and deadly. We got dancing, we lady. They might dance you're too punker. Gunshot a bus. Hey, smoky, sir. In the 70s, dance all used to nights. The attendance, my mom, for first choice. Those days, dancers like a paradise. No dance and no dance. There you go. You like that? Yep. All right, testing, testing. One, two, three, episode 35, the Black Russian Podcast. This is Yula. What? No way. What? <laughs> We're out of order. <laughs> hey, what up? <laughs> Our video podcasting is different for us. All right. As you know, if you don't know, my name is Tian Buku One. And I'm Yula. This is the Black Russian Podcast, episode 35, which is all about narratives, how we tell our stories and stuff like that. Um, before we go into this podcast, we would like to say, like we say every single time, we are not pro or anti any style of relationship, whether you're monogamous, non-monogamous, polyamorous, monogamish, whatever it is, we are not pro or anti any of those. We are definitely anti-mandated any style, but no style of relationship, no template is more or less divine. It's about the quality of work that's put in between the two people and within themselves. So we're just about advocating finding love styles that work for you and helping you through our stories and other people's stories find your own style that's what we are we are love revolutionaries that's our new thing we're love revolutionaries we don't care what style make sure it's yours and make sure it's accommodating for you to grow and change and expand because if one template one template template one template will not fit for you for life we change all the time. And so that's what we're about. Honest dialogue. We're not advocating you to be monogamous. We're not advocating you to be non-monogamous because we are. Just be true and honest to yourself and understand that you can do this however you want to do it. So now that we got that clear, you clear? Pretty clear. All right, cool. What we're going to try to do is make sure Eula talks that way so she projects her voice because she hasn't done a lot of rapping. So I'm not to turn my head. Right. You can look that way like you're like you're rapping to the crowd right here. And so we are going to recap episode 34, mm-hmm. which was... Feelings. So I thought that it's really... Uh, it's really uh, cool to go through the actual feelings and physical manifestation. We'll talk about how things feel, but when reality hits and uh, a strong, super strong emotion hits, 
I think that the physical pain of it or physical sensation makes us feel like when women go into labor, it's like, whoa, I'm the first one to experience this pain. Right. And it's really super helpful when, you know, out of our three kids, I had the doula for the last one. And having a doula there who was holding my hand through each contraction was so calming. The pain was worse because I, the last one I didn't have any meds, but it was easier to handle it. So I think that having a doula for your feelings when you're going through hard times is equally as important. And then uh, it's, it, you, we, if we know that other people have felt it and you can maybe reach out to someone or just have a reference point, then we don't panic as much. If we don't panic, then it's easier for us to handle whatever it is that we're handling. So we try to talk about the actual feelings. I kind of feel like that's an evolving thing. Uh, It would be really cool to have input on that, uh, which requires me sending out, pushing out some questionnaires and surveys and following up, which I haven't done in a while, but I will. Right, and hoping that you guys listen and respond honestly. Like, how does it really feel when you experience jealousy? Yeah, when that whole first thing hits, like when you find out that someone maybe, uh, you know, cheated on you or you're, you said, okay, but, uh, you know, for your husband to go out with somebody else and now he's actually going out, how does that feel? Uh, you know, we all experience strong emotions in some sort of a physical form. Right, and a lot of times... You, you theorize about how you think it's going to feel because when you're not emotionally triggered, you can be very rational and logical yeah. and a lot of things will make sense. Um, but just because it makes sense doesn't mean that you're not going to feel some kind of way. Yeah. Um, and a lot of us experience that. Like, you know, technically we know that makes sense and we're supporting each other to, you know, be um, empowered to live and meet and connect with who we're supposed to because that's what we're here to do. Um, but then, you know, when it's time and she goes out, you know, I may feel some kind of way, or if I go out, she may feel some kind of way. Doesn't make what's going on bad. Doesn't mean we should back off and back away from difficult experiences because growth is difficult. Growth can be painful. Um, but we try to articulate how it really feels and normalize that. So that way, if, and when you feel any discomfort from growth or change, you understand that you're not the only one who's felt that way. And no. It's not weird or it's not like a pain that you should run from and just go back, you know, if you feel that's right for you. I think that's, you know, a lot of the times when when uh, we're in a relationship and our partner reacts in a way that we didn't expect them to react. Right. Even though we have talked through everything and they logically understand and then they react to like you can feel that they're not in control of the reaction. I can guarantee you that it's because the physical pain or sensation of whatever is hitting is not anything that they expected it to be. Right. And then it's like, holy shit, this is so much worse than I thought it was going to be that I have to do something to real to stop it right now. Right. And it's lashing out, projecting, yeah. um, imposing guilt, passive aggressive energy. Yep. Um, all these things that once you calm down and get back to earth, you realize that what you were feeling had very little to do 
with what was going on. It was just you were reacting to the sensation you had expected, anticipated, or prepared for. Yeah. Um, and you wanted to, like, you're saying, get it out. It's probably super close to anger management. I'm guessing not in anger management classes. That's what is being taught. When you feel whatever wave come up, this is what you do. Right. Right? So to provide, to avoid reacting in a way that will cause problems. Right. Like, it's fine to be angry. No one's saying, you know, you, can, you need to train yourself to not be angry. Right. It's not fine to react to it in a way that's going to send you to jail or, you know, like, right. be just, destructive. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and, you know, we all get jealous. We all have high vibration times when we're hella confident. We're like, yeah, man, you know, she can do what she wants to do, man. I trust her decision-making process. And if I didn't trust her decision-making process, why would I have a family with her? That doesn't make any sense. And then it's okay to have low vibration times when you just can't see straight. And all you're feeling is, I don't like this feeling. So you go, why are you going out with him? You just met him. Are you? Why are you going out so late? Are you going to stay with him? Are you sure? You don't even know this guy. I don't know about this guy. Maybe you should think about it. I don't know. How about an afternoon date? And you start doing all this weird shit. And, and your partner's like, what is going on? Um, it's okay to have those high vibration and low vibration times. It's what we're saying is there's ways to handle it without projecting it and vomiting on your partner because in reality, maybe you just need your hand to be held like a doula and just ride that out and later on be like, yo, I was feeling I'll crazy volunteer. sensitive. I'll volunteer for doula. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a good doula. Show her your hand. See, she has a decent hand. Yeah, yeah. I'm good. I, I hold hands quite well. Yeah, her thumb is shaped interesting, but it's good for <laughs> grappling. I can just grip you right there. I can put your I finger in there. I still don't know why it's shaped um, But yeah, all these feelings are totally fine, expected, part of the process. Um, and we try to help normalize them by first really articulating what they are, but also saying like everyone feels it. And it's not just within relationships, monogamy, non-monogamy, betrayal, or any of that stuff. It happens when, you know, you may have stage fright and you're trying to be a performer, or you may have to speak in front of a group at your business, or you may have to do a presentation. Um, it may be any of these things where you feel excited at first and, oh shit, I don't know if I can do this, and all these waves of emotions. And there's ways to identify them, anticipate them, but also anticipate what happens when emotions hit in a way you weren't expecting it and how to do that without projecting it on a situation, maybe, you know, having a little internal dialogue. So, so that was that, um, we talked about your experiences on the road, which yeah, is really cool. Talked about tour experiences first, really good tour experience where we're, much more open and dialogue and involved and in, you know sharing like in real time sharing um, my experiences with other women and stuff in real time um, so that was cool and yeah and then we had a cipher yes and it wasn't just a men's cipher or a woman's cipher it was a full cipher and it was a trip because we had been promoting this for a while we felt like it was time to have men and women actually be honest and open to each other. Because we have men ciphers and the men connect and we share and talk in ways just completely open. Women have their women cipher and they go in like that. And we're like, okay, cool. Now let's talk about these things together. And we got a lot of crickets. A lot of, like a lot of crickets. Like not, oh, I can't make it. I'm busy. It was just like, I don't exist. And there are people who've been the men ciphers and women ciphers yep. who did not say a pee-pee. Nope. 
And what we started seeing as we had our cyber talking, a lot of men don't want to tell their counterpart parts of their truth. They feel like, ooh, I, I can say it here, but if I bring it to the front, it becomes too real because well, I don't know what's going to happen. She may, we may blow up and may break up. I don't know. Just something very uncomfortable. They don't, and the women, same, they don't want to share. So there's this barrier of truth that a lot of relationships don't want to break through to show each other their true honesty. And it could be brutal. It could be, I love you to death. You're the person I want to spend my life with, but I'm not that sexually attracted to you right now. You know, it could be those things, very real hard things to hear. So we thought, regardless of that, it's time to start that process and have us at least advocate and hold the space for us to do that. So not a lot of people came. The ones who came made it rich. We had a good group uh, that was really dope. My boy Damon from Red Bull, um, she took us to an event, Amapico, which is about storytelling, how to tell your own story. And it was in the form of like passion, community, entrepreneurship. But we flipped it into what is your love story? What is your love narrative? What are you here to do? What's your mission? How would you um, write that in a small blurb to promote at a movie premiere about your, your narratives like that? So it was really dope, really cool. We've been doing more. I don't even know if we're going to do too many men's or women's as much for now. I think Unless it's important. People, I will do it if people ask for it. Right, they beg. Oh, please, we don't want to do a group cipher. Let me just <laughs> no, please, like, oh please. If you ask, you know, sometimes there's things that you know, like women just want to get together and talk about unscripted things. Right, with men in the other room, and then we'll split. I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> now we'll do it all, but we really feel it's important that the dialogue between men and women um, is helped and yeah. is healed and is identified because there's a lot of division with all the crazy stuff that's going yeah. on. You know, when you you know. So it's, you know, bring it to the front. Men need to learn from women for sure. Um, and we all have, we, we need it. It's a yin and yang thing. We all need to be able to do that. So that was dope. And then um, we watched the Will Smith and, and Jada, Jada Pinkett Smith, the Red, well, it's her show, Red Table Talks. Talks. And it was really dope. Check out our review on that we won't give any spoilers here but go check it out it was dope there's a lot of amazing stuff in there and there were some things that they left out which <laughs> could have been extremely revolutionary for the whole deal i say give them a few years we'll give you a few years will jada it'll come years. out i mean shit come on we out here we out we here talking so anyways that was cool they're not that famous not that famous yeah, that's mine. So that was our last pop count. Did yes. we even number it? Uh, 34. That was 34? Yeah, we said this is 35. Okay, I thought it was. Yeah, we doing, we doing stuff. So now we'll get into quotes. Uh, the quotes All the quotes are going to be from her tonight. And they are going to be themed around storytelling because when we went to that workshop and we started thinking about well, how do we tell our own story? And then we did the cipher, and the cipher was about uh, developing your own story and noticing where the changes came from. Uh, when did you start thinking consciously about, uh, you know, needing to change, and how did that develop into a current story? 
that kind of, you know, put us in a uh, state of being more aware that, you know, we tell stories. We're, we're not really good at, I'm not really good at telling stories. I'm good at talking on the topic, but that's one of the things I think that you're trying to get me to learn more is how to tell a story that describes how I feel right. and what I experience versus facts. Right. Add more detail, right. add more color, nuance. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we thought we will continue and then, you know, we had some funny coincidental, co coincidental, coincidental, uh, coincidental, you know, uh, happenings around my uh, storytelling. Yeah. Uh, so my quotes are about that. This one was just funny and it's really true, I think. Sometimes I feel like relationships consist of telling your, uh, telling your same life stories to different people until someone finally appreciates them. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. I mean, it's fun to tell your story. It's part of the attraction, right, of meeting new people. Right. Tell them your plight and see yeah. if they agree and are down with your plight. Yeah. And if they're, you know, and that's how you kind of get closer to your match, right? They yeah. see me. Like, we yeah. love to be seen. Yeah. We love to be heard. So yeah. when someone sees you, sees you, like, I see you. Yeah. You're like, you see me? <laughs> and then it's like, <sighs> Right. Yeah. So uh, next one, we have each of us a life story, an inner narrative, whose continuity, whose sense is our lives. It might be said that each of us constructs and lives a narrative and that this narrative is us, our identities. So it's not necessarily the facts that happen, right? but how we live them and how we interpret them and then how we tell them. Right. And how we remember them yep. based upon, you know, how we want to remember them yeah. or how, you know, we, the trauma has narrated how we see things, all the different perceptual filters that we attain through life, through pain, through struggle, through just repetitive telling stories. I so, think that part of getting older you know, is uh, is cool. Forgetting? Well, no. Okay. <laughs> oh, Getting older. Is looking back and realizing that what we had as our life story from the childhood is probably factually incorrect. Right, right. Right? Or maybe main facts are correct, but the reasons for them, like the events, the the feelings, the what the adults contributed to it is completely wrong. Yeah. Like you start learning about your parents and their plight and their story and you're like, wow, I had no idea. Like my perception of what they were going through when I was a happy kid was completely different. Right, That's just right. mine. You know, yeah. other people have their own stories, but I think uh, it's pretty cool how we can if I think that, you know, we can change that narrative if we want to. Right. And sometimes it's useful, some other times it's not. Right. Uh, and finally, the best one, and I think that's the one that we are going to base my our storytelling on is, is your life story the truth? Yes, the chronological events are true. Is it the whole truth? No, you see and judge it through your conditional eyes and mind, not 
uh, not of all I'm old, I need glasses, not of all involved, nor do you see the entire overview. It is nothing, is it nothing but the truth? No, you select, share, delete, distort, subtract, assume, and add what you want, need, and choose to. Right. And that's how most of us tell our stories. Um, and I think that's the perfect segue into why are we even doing this episode. Right, right. So, what was, what, so what, what was the tell? So, we're in a hot tub. We're in the hot tubs, right? Yeah, just we're chilling, chilling. Just chilling, relaxing, super relaxing. And I don't remember what spawned. Do you remember what spawned the conversation? Uh, well, so I've been on this, uh, like, happy, like, when I realize something, and it could be something that Zion has been telling me for right. years, but when it finally hits me and it becomes mine, I get all super excited about it. Right, the epiphany light bulb goes off. Yeah, it's Bang. like, oh, look what I discovered. <laughs> right, go ahead. And he's all laughing at me, but I will go for days repeating the same thing, right. like, oh my god, Zion, it feels so good to be able to just tell you how I really feel and he's like oh that's awesome I've been encouraging you to tell me how you really feel for the last 15 like years <laughs> keep it coming keep it coming it's great all right so you know I was on one of those those trips and we went down the memory lane of how difficult things were when we weren't telling each other like the full right. entire truth uh, you know, the premise that don't ask, don't tell right. of our relationship. <clears throat> and basically, we were just like hanging out. And I thought that I was doing an amazing job being very super open about how what I actually went through in the last, you know, whatever the first 12 years of our relationship we've been together is going to be. 16 years right. we changed our relationship drastically about three and a half years ago right and so prior to that let's call it the first 12 years of our relationship right. it was very different right so there i am in the hot tub hanging out excitedly telling tion like all the details of how i felt and maybe things that i didn't describe to him at the time during our first 12 years right and I'm all excited, and I can't see his face. It was dark. And well, she was just in, no, because I was like sideways, and like you had your arm around me, right. and I wasn't looking at your face. And he has his arm around me. Nothing's changing. Like I'm not change. I'm not feeling any change in in the right. vibe. So I'm like this. I'm like yeah, yeah. And then I was all like, and then I'm like, and then I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh. Hell no. So I'm just like, okay. So I'm just kind of sitting there waiting, waiting until she airs it out. And it's all this Happy nice, long diatribe. And like, oh, I'm so glad we made it here. And, you know, so carry on. So then he calmly removes himself from me. And he's like, huh, have you noticed that this whole time, you were talking all about how difficult it was for you 
to be dealing with my side of things, how you were learning about how to deal with it and blah, 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 blah. And nowhere in this whole story did you even refer to the fact that that whole entire time you also had your own life. Right, going on. your own relationship, interactions, your own sexual experiences, right. all these things. And so what I said is like, you know, even though we've been through the whole era of coming out and you sharing all the different things that were happening that I had no idea about, all these things, which is all documented, all these podcasts, and now we're out in the open. So now we have a, a wider story, but yet the narrative that she was telling was still the one side of how hard it was for her, how she had to take a year off because she's like, I don't know if I can do this anymore, and all this and this and that, which is all true. That's a half of it. That was a whole narrative I knew of. The whole, that was the, I thought it was the only thing, but it was half. So she's talking about that, and then, you know, so I'm kind of sitting there, like, noticing, like, man, there's, even to this, it's like now, in 2018, the story is being told as if none of this truth came out on the other side. And I was like, also, you know, you know, I think we should amend the way that you tell the story about our relationship in the first 12 years because she tells it as if it was don't ask, don't tell. And it makes it sound like we didn't talk about shit. And I was like, actually, we talked about a lot. It's in our vows. I talked about it all the time about how and why I connect with women or how I'm intimate with anybody. When I go out to on tour, I'm intimate with people with kids at skate parks by connecting with them through skateboarding. I'm intimate through music and venues and all this stuff and with women sexually and my intention is very similar to deeply connect with them it's just different ways so we talked about all of the roots all of the purpose all of the template all the structure what we chose to not talk about was the specifics of who what how big how size how long and that stuff because at that time we deemed that that part was a little too sensitive and it may taint the way we support each other if we know too much of the details because we're still very sensitive. Right. So that was the era of discretion. And I was like, you know, I think we need to change that yeah. because the more I hear you tell it, the more it sounds like we weren't, I was not saying anything and you were just dealing with me. And the danger of it was on my end was like, you know, that fits the narrative of a lot of women's plight with men, which is they put up with men's shit and the women endure. And, and the men don't do much of the work at all and that's the patriarchy thing which is very true I'm not saying it's not true um and it's all of that so when you tell the story whether you're trying to or not in the first few minutes the women that are hearing you stop after three minutes they've already convinced themselves yep i know what that is and then tion's the villain Eula's the hero who endured for her man and so on and so forth yeah it's really hard i think that you know there's i don't have a good uh, I don't I don't have a lot of practice telling stories and then when you only practice telling the easiest part of your story then uh, by the time that you're ready to speak openly that's what comes out uh, and you know we talked about like for me now to go back and start telling a fully rounded story I have to practice it we do what we've what we're used to doing we say what we're used to saying so it took me a minute when uh, Tion called me out I sat there for a minute and I was like like first it was like well 
how is it even relevant? And then second is like, well, it's relevant because it's the whole story. But I uh, separated my stories so much that even when going super deep and super honest, there's still a division between them. Right. And it takes an effort to connect them to. Right. And you and said it was how, like, your analogy was like, it's like two different people. Oh, it's absolutely like, you know, in my head, it's it's totally two different people. You know, I blame it on my Gemini, but I'm sure it's not just, you know, Geminis that do that. To me, it really was like, yeah, well, this is my whole entire story. And this is a whole entire story, but they're completely separate. There is no connection between them, just uh, me like being the mom of both Geminis. You know, that's how I connect them. Right. And it's a trip, you know, like it's a total, it's a total trip to realize that that is what I do. And that's, that's what I have done so many times when I have told my story. So, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I think, internal reconciliation that I've been doing, uh, realizing how much I have uh, tried to control my narrative, my relationships with different people, and that's all based on what's comfortable for me. So when, uh, you know, when time comes to like reconcile it all, I look back and I go, wow, I owe a lot of people a lot of apologies for not giving them a chance to hear the full story and for leading them down the path to make a decision based on what I'm saying that is not a complete story. And then when you look back at it, you go, okay, well, why, like, what makes me, I'm not a bad person in general, but I do what most of us do, and I, I, I follow the path of least resistance, and what's the most comfortable thing to do is to tell a story that makes people like you. Right, and what it, what it does is... <clears throat> Um, it creates votes, emotional votes. Like yeah. we're emotionally campaigning with our story because we want people to relate to us yeah. and feel us. Um, and so that is so rooted a lot of times when we tell certain stories that we may go, you know, I'm not a saint, but, and then you continue to just go this lengthy thing about the other person. And every now and then you'd be like, you know, I'm not saying they're a bad person, right. but, and you go into a lengthy thing about the things they've done wrong. And then, We've noticed that because, you know, we started doing more couples um, sessions where we where we talk to couples and, you know, maybe we'll meet one first and then they, they're telling us the whole picture from their eyes. And we're like, wow, man, that she, yeah, he or she sounds tough. Like that seems, wow, okay, wow, hmm, wow, damn, I see what you're dealing with, wow. And then we talk to the other person and we're like, oh, shit, like, whoa. I didn't hear well, that part. I mean, I, think I didn't by, hear that part. By now, we like we just we go okay. We heard one side, right? That's crazy. And Let's see what the other. And side And we find says. out that like, you know, I wouldn't say either of them are lying, but the story is heavily weighted to where the person who's telling the story 
is somewhat either the hero or like the helpless victim. Yeah. And the other person is the villain or the antagonist. But then when you go talk to that person, they're like one of the the hero, you know, the hero or the or the victim, and the other person's the antagonist. Um, and what we try to do is like help them hear these stories so they can see the the gap between the two stories. Not like they're trying they're lying or trying to be deceitful, but it's literally how we frame our narrative that makes us feel good. Because if we paint it in a picture where maybe we don't come off as good, then we're afraid we may lose votes. We may lose um, favorite. They won't see us. They'll, they'll distance themselves from us. And it may not even be conscious. I think a lot of times we just kind of do, you know, we naturally want to paint a story that makes us, you know, get more love, however we do that. Well, and it's more fun to tell the story that is, uh, you know, comfortable. Right. It's really uncomfortable to keep telling the same story that is not comfortable. Right. You know, um, and when I think about, like, why was it so crazy one-sided uh, the way that I told the story even now? Right. And it's literally because I had not taken time to include that side into my rounded story. Right. Like, that still, you know, it came out, it got cleaned out. I've worked really super hard to learn to not repeat it. Uh, but that still remained like, it was like that box that we right. hopefully don't have to look into anymore. Right. And it's, you know, like it leaves a whole big piece out. It changes how... Uh, how you're seen changes how I'm seen and it separates us right like what it does it really super separates us and I don't think that in trying to build what we're building there is a lot of room for separation right and you know um, one thing that I try to be very mindful of is when I tell the story, you know, about, you know, me discovering that she was having this close, connected, and sexual relationship with someone who I deemed a big brother mentor for off and on for over 10 years. When I tell the story, in my intention, I feel, I wanna tell the story so they feel it and they felt what I felt. But then right after that, I give them backstory and context as to why she did these things and how the elements of her upbringing play the role so that they can see both sides because I'm telling our story and my intention is for them to see that there's no heroes and villains in all of this. Um, the same way like if you're in a, you know Marvel or any comic books, a lot of times when they do the origin story of the villain, um, the early stuff you're feeling for them and you actually sympathize as to why they did that. You may not agree with them becoming a villain and wanting to take over and destroy the universe or whatever it is, but you understand because you can see the steps that put them in a situation to start acting this way. Um, and so a lot of times what we're not, what we do if we're not careful is we're so hurt or we're so triggered that we lose the long-term sight. And what we start doing is painting our partner, our husband, our wife, 
as the illest villain there ever was. And we, we just make them, we paint them to be straight up poop. And so our friends are like, yeah, fuck that. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Oh my, oh yeah, yo. And then you're creating this, this campaign and you're putting fire in your friends. So now your friends don't like this person because they hurt you. Because at that time, all you want to, all you want to do is you want to be felt and you want them to feel, fuck them and so. we love you. Well, hold on. And then what happens is, so you shit all over your partner. So your friends don't like that person at all. And you rarely say your part in this. And then what happens later on, you guys get back together, you amend your fight. And now you're back together and your friends are looking at you like, I'm not fucking with them no more. And then you feel like a jackass because you sh and your, your husband or your person like, why are, why are they being so weird to me now? And you can't say, oh, when we got in a fight, I made you look like you were the second coming of, of hell, of Satan. And now I'm back with you and they can't believe that I'm with Satan. So, gotta be very, very careful. So that. then, do you start the story with this is my partner, this is, you know, I, I absolutely love her, him, whatever. This is their backstory. So, you create the backstory first and then you tell what happened as an, as a, you know, that's a, that's part of the narrative. But you've already like, created an understanding of a how you feel about them now uh and b what their backstory is are you asking that yeah no marvel comic movies never start that way i don't no, know kidding. no i mean the way i get into it is context right like some people go oh it's so easy for you guys oh it's so easy for you guys oh it's just so easy for you guys i'm like it's not easy for us like you like you act like it's easy for us the same way people go oh it's easy for Steph Curry to just be Steph Curry and you don't realize how much work that goes into that someone told me today I want your life right and you're like ah, oh, you know, I don't know that you can handle my life so you know um, so when it comes up that way I tell them well let me give you a little taste of what it takes. We, we look all great and we have the podcast and we air all this shit out. But this is very personal stuff that most people are like, I would never talk about this shit. And we've just made it to where it's, it's our new norm. And so to show the level of depth we went through to get to this point, as I go, really, well, have you ever been through this situation? And they're like, how, what? Like, how does that even, I don't even understand. And so I tell them the story. And then they're like, I, I didn't even think that. You guys just seem so happy. And you know, like, well, we are. Right. But we're both that and we deal with that. In order for us to have the happy that's real, that's sustaining, is we have to clean out the closets. And that's part of growth. When you want to grow, you have to amend your past or else you can't fully grow. And so I knew that she was committed to growth because she could have just left and be like, I can't, you know, whatever she says, you know, like, I, I don't deserve you. I'm bad. I'm doing this leave or whatever. But she didn't. She stayed and she sat through these conversations. She watched me go through the pain and all these things. She was still there. You know, we made talking about the most uncomfortable, difficult, real stuff, our new norm. Um, 
but that doesn't mean it's easy. So when I go into the story, you know, I when they say it's so easy, I first go in and just talk to them about the hardest, craziest shit they would never thought happened. Like, you think it's easy? Let me chart here. So <laughs> then I tell them that, and they're like, holy shit, like, how could she do that? How could you be with her? What happened? So I explain how it happened. And they're just like, because at that point, they'd be like, I'd be out, right? So you take them from there and be like, now, here's the context. You know, she didn't talk to a lot of different people. She didn't have many people to talk to about what we were doing. You know, she may have not had anyone to go to. And this person understood and loved me and understood our situation and had no desire to mess with that. It was a safe place for her to have an outlet. And then I tell the backstory before that. And then I tell how we went through it and how you didn't run away. You didn't, you know, you stayed there. Even if you follow your place, you lie, but you tell more and you lie, you tell more. And you'd eventually work through. And that showed me that you were committed and you were there. Um, so that's usually how I tell the story. Um, I never leave it one-sided because I want them to love you. And I want them to understand the nuts and bolts of how the shit works. So that way, when they um, when they leave the story, they, 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 they hopefully know a few things. One, it's not as easy as it seems. <laughs> Two, they genuinely do care about each other. And three, there's not really any heroes or villains because all of these things played a role in how things manifested. Um, and it's just a much more nuanced story. And if you want the type of life and relationship they have, you'd have to ask yourself, are you willing to go through some of the depths to get the heights? And so, you know, that's how I tell the story. It's a, it's actually, you know, when you're breaking it down now, it's a way more engaging and exciting way to tell the story, right? Like, you're a way better storyteller than me. Rapper. <laughs> yeah. MC, not just a rapper. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's the way that a story should be told. So, you know, when I took a while to think about it, like, holy wow, I really did only tell one side. So what happened? Uh, you know, and the habit happened. The comfort happened. So now... You know, I have to talk to my writer friends and be like, how do you tell the whole story? Like, how do you create, you know, a short story? How do you engage and keep people engaged? Uh, and that's usually when we think about the best stories that we've read or the best movies that we have seen. It's where it goes up and down and sideways and the same person is good and bad and then we feel they're real. Right. Right. It's not some fairy tale. It's not like a total uh, terrible person, uh, but it's a rounded person. Like we see the good sides, the bad sides, the struggles, the backstory, the what happens now, what maybe will happen in the future, and that's how we relate. So I think it's uh, you know when we started talking about storytelling and uh, how do we create. Uh, and they're our own narrative, those are the things that came up that I didn't expect them to come out. You know, I thought, well, good, our whole story is out. You know, we're both comfortable with it. 
when time comes, I will tell it how I'm supposed to tell it. And lo and behold, without even knowing that I'm telling our story, I told one side, thinking really, like feeling really good about it. Right. And then, so when she was, when she was able to just tell it um, on the whole one-sided way without talking about any of her deceptions, any of her transgressions, any of that, you know, it made me go, ah, so it, this is the story where you tell the story. That means every time you probably told the story to any of your friends or any of your girlfriends or any other friends, it probably was somewhere very close to that. Yeah. So there's a very good chance that the way they see me and even the way you see me is very different because the way you see me versus the way you talk to them was being portrayed very different. And then I have to explain to you, look, when we do that, we create this image that fits the stereotype of what the man does to women that a lot of women can relate to. So then without ever giving me a chance, they already associate me with them. And the emotions they have for those type of men from their experience, they now have a little bit of that for me. And then it slightly shifts how they feel about me. So when I say things or when they they meet me or we talk or they're friends with them, they're like, he's really cool, but yeah, I know the real truth. Because Eula gave me the truth, the whole truth. And I know it's different than what Tion's saying. And that's how the campaign votes get shifted. And then they're your ride or die folks, as opposed to telling the story where they can pick and choose who they relate to, who the heroes are, who the villains are. But they probably would feel a little bit of both of us. Right, because all, all of us have been betrayed or been the betrayer. All of us have probably lied and have been lied to. Some to greater or lesser degrees, but that energy that promotes that action is all within all of us. Um, and so, you know, that's the danger that we encounter. And so that's why I went from like the, the hot tub went from like super cool, hella chill, just relaxing, farting in the, you know, she's farting in the, in the hot tub and shit, bubbles everywhere. Oh, that was a farting? Were you? Yeah, like the, you push the button. Oh, it was a jet. That was a jet. I just yeah. farted up strong. But it was all real cool, relaxed, and chill, to like, whoa, 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 to like, dude, do you understand, like, how you painted me to these people for so long? You know, do you, now, do you understand how that ties into the overall narrative of how men and women have this conflict and they don't ever fully believe each other? Because the way the stories get painted, so, and, and so we're trying to be more responsible. Um, we have to, as we move forward in our, in our podcast and our public speaking and our relationship stuff, we have to be able to tell the story of us where it's heroless and villainless, or it's both. It's just, it shifts, you know? Um, it's all the same human emotions, fear, worry, doubt, ego, spirit, like this battle through all of these things being played out through us in human form. And we want people to take away the story when they listen to us to feel that we're providing, we're just sharing the story the best we can, both sides from both perspectives. Goals are very similar. And you can take that as information and process it how you wish. Um, but 
my goal is to not make me sound better or wiser than her at all. Like my goal is to say, here's what I do. Here's what she does. We're together. This is what we choose is how we work um, for better, or for worse, you know? So we'll just go from there. Yeah. It was a, uh, it was a super eye-opening experience because of how unexpected it was and because how, you know, how authentic it was. Right. It wasn't like, oh, let me sit down and think about how I'm going to tell the story. So it was like the best experiment that we could have set up. Right. Because it was, I mean, it was obviously candid and, and not expected. And it's really cool. The cool thing about it is like we've we've been working really hard to create um, a space where she can just talk openly about anything. And I can talk openly about anything and just really get in that space. And what happens is we relax. When we relax, we just speak without micromanaging or editing. And what that does is it allows us both to really hear and see how we think and feel about certain things because it's flowing naturally to us, which helps us because then we can help adjust that. We can help add to it or we can learn like, oh, shit, I didn't know that's how you were seeing and thinking about these things. And we can really. I think that, you know, creating that space where we can freely talk is super important. But then what's more important is what we do with that space and the information that comes out. Right. Because just like with us setting out to create a space for our kids to tell us anything, you have to be super careful and not squash that little baby truth, right? Like I started getting comfortable, I start flowing, and I say something, I tell that one-sided story, and you make me feel so bad for not catching myself that next time I'm going to have a super hard time getting into that same space because I'm going to be anticipating and calculating and wondering what is it that I'm going to say that you're going to see that I'm not seeing. Right. So I'm so going to be Just to clarify, what she's saying is we have to be mindful yeah. because if we're not, I right. could make her feel that way. Right. Not that I made her feel that way. No, no, no. Okay. I mean, I... I haven't finished talking about it. Uh, that didn't happen because we both stayed super calm. Like you made sure to tell me that it is fine. We have gone through everything. I know your actual full story. What I'm doing is I'm pointing out to you that your habit of how you have been telling that story is so strong that even after we have gone through everything and cleaned everything out between two of us, you still tell the story like this. Right, you haven't amended the the story. It's the muscle memory and, you know, like the way that you, I think, uh, consciously told me and, you know, helped me understand that, hey, I'm not telling you that you're bad person that you're trying to deceive me or you are you still have that desire to tell that story in a way that you know will uh, win votes for you versus you know creating a full picture what i'm telling you is your muscle memory is not there 
Right. Like your muscle memory is wrong. You have to, or we have to work on changing that. Because right. when you don't think about what you're speaking, this is what comes out. Right. And this is, this is something that we all do. It's very common where we've told a story so long, for you know, a certain way for so long. But then either we grow and or we receive new information that technically should then be looked back and reapplied and it would change the story. Yeah. But if we don't, we just take the information in and go, okay, that's cool, good to know, but we're not to change the narrative and we have to apply that back to the story. And so, but in the space of, you know, we're talking about being able to create a space where you and your partner, me and Eula, can talk openly and honestly make mistakes, sound arrogant, sound crazy or whatever, yeah. um, and have a space where we can be questioned about it, checked or questioned, but in a loving way. Right. So like when she was saying this, you know, it takes work because there's, you know, we, we have several entities in ourselves, right? So we have, you know, I have the Joe Pesci combined with the, you know, the protective mother. And then I have the inner child, the sensitive dude. And then I have the wisdom guy. So like when she's telling this, my sensitive dude wants to cry and get out of the hot tub and just leave and go get go and like you know go get in the car and just you know be all pouty and then the mom and the joe pesci just want to splash the shit out of her with water and just fucking just splash her like how could you and just every time she tries to stalk you just splash water in her mouth and do that you know so you feel all of those feelings and your wisdom is like you know sit still because it's not her intention right is not to deceive so i have to make sure that I can express that I'm a little bit hurt and a little bit angry that it's like that, but in a way where she can hear it and I can explain why, and we can get up to an understanding that we're a team still. And as we're moving forward, there's a responsibility for us to be able to um, lead by example, which is being able to own our stories, own our faults and stories, identify that the way you remember things may not always be 100% accurate. And that's fine, but when we get more information or we remember more, we need to go back and amend that story and be committed to the evolution of our memory, not just how we want it because it fits so good with how we want to be painted. And that's what she was you know, talking about and being able to start doing. Yeah, and I think that, you know, like I could, I, I could totally feel you working through it right. and consciously deciding yeah no this is not the time and place to you know uh get you know get upset uh to the point where you know it all is uh like we're reliving the whole thing again right uh and i was making sure that i wasn't being defensive right because you know i mean those are natural reactions right i think naturally you naturally want to be upset and show that you're hurt and i naturally want to defend myself right and that is really it's really hard not to do right and those are the things that usually derail conversations yep you know i get upset and i start sending her energy or say something that derails her and now we're both in reaction mode and we're not even talking about the shit that we're supposed to be talking about. Um, and that's part of what we talk about, fighting and not fight. Um, being able to separate the different parts of your emotional and spiritual being 
to where you identify who's feeling what. You know, because at any at that one given time, I'm feeling anger, I'm feeling sadness, I'm feeling this uh, wisdom of discovery. I'm feeling this is supposed to happen. Let's 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 get this conversation. It's like a team building thing. This is, um, you know, this is how you how you practice and train. You you help correct and adjust each other by, you know, I say things, and then she'll be like, oh well, let's not forget this out of the third. And it was a good moment to do this. It was a good way to challenge her in a loving way. Like, okay, you've grown past this point, but yeah, your story still as if it's that. Right. So how would you say your story if you were telling it now, knowing that while you were dealing with learning how to find a way to be with me while I was being with other people and out and about and this, you were also out and about with, with people as you were living that life too. Like, how would you tell it to where it's like, not like this, stories are like this. Yeah. So like, this was happening with Tion, and while this was happening, this was happening with Eula. And this is what happened here when I was catching you in lies, saying don't ever lie to me, and while I was doing that, I was still holding these lies over here. Yeah. And how they all, you know, went to the point to where it became all out in the open, you know, and so that was what we're trying to get to. Yeah, and it'll take me time. I, you know, almost feel like I'm gonna end up writing this stuff out, uh, just to make sense of it, and make sure that I know how to tell the full story. Because obviously, relying on my "oh, I got this, I understand," right, is not good enough, and I have responsibility to do it in a way that is good enough. Right. And we just have to, you know, like we're talking in the car before, after the hot tub, we got back in the car, we drove, she's pondering. Before we get into the house, we just park in the car. And I was talking about, you and know. we sit there for like an hour. Yeah. Car references is <laughs> shit. I love the car friends. Um, But we talked about, like, we have to be mindful of what our goal in our narrative is. What is our goal? And a lot of times we don't ever ask ourselves, what's our goal? Right. When we start telling stories to somebody about maybe this story. Um, what's our goal? Because if you ask what's your goal, you can't help but to hear a few different voices. Right. And then if you hear those voices, you can't help but to identify, okay, which is the voice we've committed to, which is our growth voice, which is our, our authenticity voice. Right. Are we committed to authenticity and the connection? Or are we committed to ourselves? And if you if we do that that in itself will give us a chance to be consciously responsible for what we're trying to do as opposed to being reactionary momentous or just like muscle memory emotional or mental muscle memory to be correct so for anyone who thinks that this is easy like that's the shit that we do we go to a hot tub and we get into that very nerdy. And then, and then <laughs> we have to take hours to get through it. Yeah. And then we are like, oh, we thought we've learned all clearly. There's right. more to learn. There's always more. There's always more. And so I was telling a good friend of ours who was like, I've been through a lot of shit with my husband. A lot. I think we've got it all out. And whenever I hear all or done, Flags just blow up like fireworks in my head. I'm like, Yay! just give space. 
yeah. just give space. There's always more. Yeah. There's always more. It doesn't mean there's always more from the past, but the way you may feel, or the way he may feel, or the way you guys remember things may change. You know, you may be like, ah, feel great. Got that clarity. Two weeks later, you're like, fuck that. That hurts. Uh-uh. I need to know more. How did this happen? You know, these things. So there's always more. But yeah, we're super nerdy about this stuff. Like part of, you know, and I don't know if I've ever, we've ever admitted it live on here or even to each other, but. Uh-oh. 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 What are you trying to say? <laughs> a big part of like. You like my butt. No. Yes, no. <laughs> um, a big part of why we like to drive to L.A., or go on long drives um, is to get in the shit and have these conversations that are very deep and that are uncomfortable. Uh, maybe it's because we're in a car we can't leave. Uh, maybe because it passes the time. It does do that. Um, but it's, it's one of these things that like, it's a painful pleasure. It's like how, how people go work out. And they go put in a workout. They know it's going to be hurtful. It's going to kick their ass, but it's good for them. It's like that. We... You know what's, what's funny is that that's not how I look at it. No? No. Because I'm like all excited to get into something good. And yeah. I don't expect it to turn difficult. Well, yeah, I mean. I just like, I'm excited. I don't think it's ever a conscious get... thing. But we fish around until we find something that's juicy. <laughs> and it's right. usually something that's deep. And sometimes... Like, we can get into it early in the drive, and then by the time we're home, we're good. Like, we kind of round it out, we make it to peace. Sometimes we don't find that deep shit for the last two hours. And then we get home, and it's like, ooh. And it's a little... You, you want to drive a little more? A little raw. <laughs> you know, bedtime might come too soon that time because we may not be ready to... Um, but we just, we try to give ourselves opportunities to to really go deep, to build, to ponder, to say shit. I mean, there's just things we don't know. uh, This couple of our friends that you met, uh, so the husband was telling me today that they're doing really well. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's like, our approach is working really well. And now I am, I- Oh, we pop back up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Okay, all is good. All yeah, good. yeah. He's not upset with me. Yeah. Oh, can't stay so, upset that face for too long. Yeah. Not that nose. So he's like, I said, so what's your approach? Mm-hmm. Like, what's working so well? And they basically uh, started, I think they've been doing that for the last two months, he said. Every day, they check in with each other. So they have four parts of what each other like each one tells the other mm-hmm. and it's how their general life flow is right how they feel about themselves anything stressing them out and then how they feel about the other person mm-hmm. and they basically give each other's time unlimited it's unlimited time and the other person cannot speak mm-hmm. uh, so they just flush through that every day and he's like, I have no idea how we did not do that before. Right. I have no clue why we didn't do that before, but because we hadn't done, they've been together for 30 years. 
because we've never done it there's so much stuff that right. we're going through now that it's and they do it every day right and i was thinking and i was like well it's awesome that's great and you know it seems like it's working for them they right. seem you know to be able to get through like a lot of crazy stuff uh and i was thinking you know if you and i do that every day naturally without the format right so I do gratefuls in the morning and I added the section to Tion's my inner ponderings and that's usually difficult stuff that I wouldn't otherwise be tempted to tell him. Right. So that gives him a chance to read it, yeah, digest it, it soak it in. Respond to need to, but hear it without reaction, yeah. immediate reaction. Or... Like it's a super, that space is super safe for me. I feel totally like I challenge myself to be like, all right, what do you want to throw in there today? Right. You know, without, and it came gradually. At first it was out of necessity because I had to force myself to do it. Right. Because that was our agreement. That was part of our, you know, last big fallout agreement. Like, all right, well, how are we going to do this? Like, I have to start telling the truth right. about how I actually feel and what I actually want and what the actual, you know, uh, maybe points of pain are. Right. So I had to create, I created that, right? right? That felt like, all right, this is something that I do every day. I can force myself. It's in front of me. It's a, like, it's a, portion of my daily gratefuls that I have to do, right. I'm going to do it. And now it's like, it's a cool, exciting challenge. Right. Like to, give, to, to dig and dig, find to other things and like, places to go. Yeah. And some days I don't have anything because we have talked right. for doesn't. five hours before, right. you know, the day before and there's just nothing there. So I just tell him. But other days, like there's still the stuff like that's always, that always comes up. So we do that. Right. 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 And then we talk every night right like if we're not together we talk on the phone if we can if you're out and about or i'm out and about and we right. just don't then we'll do it the next there's day text there's marco polo right we just we find ways there's lots of different tools so we find the way but the intention is to stay connected and the way we stay connected is through um communication beyond idle chatter um and so what they're doing is really dope because it's a practice that is bringing them close, close and closer. Um, and it's a discovery period because imagine if you hadn't done that in 30 years, there's a lot of little things and big things and things like that that will, you know, come out. Like our other friends who had these really good conversations this weekend together. It's like, you know. They hope to never talk about it again. Well, hopefully they don't, <laughs> but hopefully they do. But it's one of those things where like as painful, what, what she was saying is, as painful as it was, it was the calmest they've ever been and the connected they've been in a long time. Yeah. Because it was so real and so truthful. It wasn't attackerous. Yeah. It wasn't um, partial truth where another person can feel it and start getting enraged by the deception. And it was so true. And I was I was saying, you know, it feels like the truth, no matter how painful or how disagreeing it is, is one of the most connective things yeah. a couple can do yeah. because it shows the other person no matter how painful this is or how hard it's for me to tell you I'm committing to you my truth um, and it's a pretty amazing space and I trust that you know 
you're gonna do with it what you're supposed to do with it right i have no like, like giving up full control like yeah, i just like i'm gonna tell you my truth and i have yeah. no idea how it's gonna affect you or what you choose to do with yeah. it i'm just gonna offer it up with no expectations yeah. and no restrictions right. yeah. um it's amazing so so pause so yesterday my mom told me and she's been with my dad since she was 18 she's 72 years old that right. makes it for 50 something years right she basically said you know i don't think i know much about your father right wait won't you talk more about that well we're gonna go into a song break this is halftime it's a black russian podcast episode 35 Tian Buka one and Yula. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back, part two, 
little bit of fat face from Dennis, but y'all can hear what I'm saying. And if it sounds a little different, you know what I'm saying? It sounds what I'm saying. As long as you don't start drooling. I, I, I may start drooling, but it's okay. And you need to have some, like, rags and things? Nah, that's what the hoodie's for. So, yep. Back, second half, episode 35. Tiambu Kuan. And I'm Yula. So we left off, you were talking about your parents, what you discovered with your recent conversations with your mom. Yeah, she surprised me and very calmly uh, said that she probably doesn't even know my dad really well, and they've been together for 50 plus years. Why, why do you think she said that? Because he doesn't talk. Right. Like he does not, he never talks about anything that is non-factual, you know, emotional. He just doesn't have, I've seen him a few times when he needed to be able to make emotional decisions. Um, You know, when his, when my grandma was dying, he wasn't able to do it at all. Right. And he just shuts down. There's no mechanism that he has to start conversing. Wow, yeah, that's crazy. And it's just, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, you know, like that contributes to my understanding of my whole story and how it's actually different from what my perception of it has been for many years. Right, so why don't you, as you talk to the people over there, Uh, talk about what your perception was a little bit of your childhood life and what the reality was and that will probably be a good segue into you know what your narrative was with us versus what the width of it all so I always thought that you know uh, that my life was really super easy Uh, my dad was uh, very optimistic and positive and my mom was just naturally negative. It was always easier for me to hang out with my dad than with my mom. Uh, and that's that's how, that's, you know, what my perception was until literally a few years ago. And my conversation with my mom uh, this week was the first time when I, you know, I had had thoughts of, you know, mom has had a difficult life. Right. She was in a circumstance where she wasn't allowed to be who she really is or who she wanted to be. Uh, And that was just circumstantial. So um, she was never, she never let herself be that. Right. And, you know, my dad was never in the circumstance where he needed to change how he was from you know, just growing up. So he never learned how to get deeper than just the, like the surface level, the material level, and, you know, stuck to his comforts. It's an interesting, I think, you know, like thinking about it and having other experiences with uh, men from that same culture I uh, I actually feel bad for them. I realized that, you know, that I grew up with uh, in the system where 
financial stability and how much men can provide for women was the measure of their responsibility and success. Right. And for a lot of people that it still is, but when you see them in the moment of crisis and you understand how little ability they have to help themselves by seeing that there is more to, you know, what they should, what they actually contribute to uh, family and and other people around them than financial stability. Right. That just crushes them. Right, because their primary tool has been money. Yeah, you take right. that away. And they really can't rise above it. It's right. like literally guts them. And that's that's the hard part. Like that's when I start feeling bad for them. Whereas before it was like you judge people by what like you used to do that, right? right? Their financial success is a measure of how successful they are in life. Right. And that goes into we won't go too deep into it, but you it's know, a separate topic. Separate topic. But when you grow up in Western civilization, um, a Eurocentric civilization where spirituality and culture is pushed down and monetary and material success and metrics are pushed up, then you grow up thinking that material is everything. The people who have money are like magicians and they're above everything and they've got it all figured out. And that's, you know, when you grow up without money, you grow up thinking that a lot. Uh, from my end and then it took a while to emancipate myself and I think I'm still you still work on it it still feels like you know if you're not providing if you're not hustling 24-7 if you're not about that grind about that money um, that you're somehow not as valuable as a contributor to the family or to your whatever it is Um, and it took a while for me to help myself understand like that my definition of success does not have to be theirs yeah um, but when you're detached from spirituality and you're in societies that really suppress that and, re- and not only suppress it, but devalue it, almost make you feel bad. And as if, if you were pursuing that, then you go, OK, all I need is to be smart or if not smart, rich, like rich trumps smart. seems like you could be smart and have no money. But if you're rich, people just assume you're smart and they assume you got it all figured out. Well, I mean, look who we have at the top. Right. Uh and it really is really, you know, we always say, all right, well, let's see what those people do when you take their money away. Right. I've seen it, and it's not pretty. Like, there's, it's really, the, the, it, they break down to the point where you have to hold their hand right. and be like, you will be okay, you know, that this is not death. Right. Like, you will be okay. We love you not for what you provide to us financially, right. but because of who you are. Uh, you know, it's hard grow like it's hard feeling that you can't do it for yourself. Right. So how does that? So now you've at this. We were talking to, in the first part of this episode before we got to the second half about being able to amend your narrative once you have new information to apply to the past, reflect. So now that you have this new information about what your mom and dad's relationship was like and what your perception of your childhood was with them versus how it is. How do you, what does that feel like? How, what's the process of amending that? 
I think there's different layers, you know, like for me within my my immediate family for uh, my for the purpose of my uh, conversation with my parents. Mm-hmm. Like my mom basically gave me an opening to talk to her about the real stuff that you right. and I talk about, right? right? I it, it, it showed me that she actually understands that the value is not in what, you know, anyone makes financially right but in are you able to just sit there and have a normal conversation and share right whatever emotional hardships you have you know uh so that's on their level you know whether or not i'm ever able to talk to my dad about it that's you know and i always try and there's always like i can probably go a little further than most other people but not that far right right i know and for myself, I think that looking looking back, the whole story of, you know, how I was raised, what I thought was right and wrong, what I thought was uh, my responsibility to myself and to others, uh, was not very rounded because there was no, anything that you do over here will affect everything that you do over here. Right. You know, when you don't have the whole... Yeah, no one knows what you're doing over here, but the universe does, and your karma is circular. Right. And things happen over here because of right. what you're things doing over there. there. Right. Even though you're so good at keeping them separate, that not only no one suspects that you have this other part, but you forget that you have that other part. Right. Right. I know. So I think that that's the biggest. Uh, the biggest uh, realization to me is that no, everything is connected. Right. I can't create something separate in this other corner of my life. Right. And assume that if I only keep it physically separate, it will not affect anything else that I do. Right. Right. You know, and like you and I talked yesterday last night about things like how much this whole. Uh, period of my life where I kept things separate Mm -hmm. has affected me to the point where now I'm like, no, no, Tion, I don't care if you don't want to know, you don't really need to know because I need to make sure that you know. Right, right, yeah. Uh, You know, and uh, it's going to take a while to, uh, you know, to even the whole thing out. Right, right. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's not what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas type stuff no. and, and I would always have that you know being a, when I was tour managing and be on tour and was seeing some of the people who were in committed monogamous relationships while and out there and stuff like that and that just, happens on tour? I know crazy shit right? what? And what like, tours did you go on? and they just you know they kind of just move as if it's like you know that's over here right. it's not at home it's in right. Iowa it's in wherever right. and I'm just like man but I, I'm like but your karma travels you know like well that's just how I was, how I've brought up to believe you know, my mom would always talk about sometimes when you've done wrong and you've, and you've uh, done some dirty stuff, you may not pay for it, but your children might pay for it. Yeah. And she would talk about legacy karma. Um, I didn't fully get it, but all I, made, all I remembered was don't do fucked up shit. <laughs> Minimize doing fucked up shit because it will come back to you some way, shape, or form. It's not even, you know, like I, I think 
that's where like the deeper problems are in maybe the ways that I was raised and how you know people in my my part of the world uh, think I didn't look at what I was doing as a fucked up shit right, right? right. I'm like no I see the benefit to it right right I'm just keeping it separate so it does not you know hurt Tion right right but then I didn't look at yeah, but you're actually technically lying. And that right. lying part is what's messing with your other stuff. Right, right. Whatever your reasons for it are, right. you know, that's, that, that's irrelevant. Right. The fact that there is a continuous big lie in your life, right. that's what's leaking. Right. You know, it's not the facts that are leaking. It's not anything else. It's yeah. not like it didn't change my relationship with you. Right. Everything was fine, you know, and it's interesting how for years or for the last, I don't know, five years, I'm I, like, I started feeling like, like, we should be like further, like more settled financially. Right. 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 Like that, I started feeling that. Like, I don't understand why is it that it's almost where it should be, but it's right. not like, it's like. A couple degrees off right and it felt like it's going in the right direction but it's not quite clicking right and then when we like opened the whole thing up and we started going through the real process of cleaning it out I'm like that's what was missing you know like that was leaking into lo and behold I think financial part of our life right right and I can't prove anything, but it really feels like right. that area was messing with whatever it was that needed to start clicking in our life right. to, you know, really solidify that, you know, in general, I knew we were on the right track, right. but it just wasn't, wasn't getting traction. Yeah. No, I mean, if you think about it, um, we like to believe everything is related. Everything is in, is in spirals. Your physical, your mental, your health, um, mental health, physical health, emotional health, spiritual health, your karma, the energy you output, the thoughts you think, your balance between your ego and your spirit and all these things. So there can very much be a time that since all of it's a team, you could be doing mentally the right things. You could be doing physically the right things. But if you're not spiritually doing the right things, then right. it clogs. Yeah. You know, if the balance is out of whack, then the flow is not going to work. It's going to be out of balance. And, you know, they all play a role. Sometimes you meet people who are, they look successful. They have the right look. They speak great. They work out great. They have their diet, fucking vegan, super good, everything like that. But then you look, you step back and you look at their life and the way it's flowing. And you're like, ooh, like something's just not. And then you spend a little more time with them and you pick up on the energy. And you start going, ooh, and you start feeling like a lot of this is the, the motive feels like it's not right. Like the ego is pushing this whole lifestyle. It's not being pushed for a betterment or there's some things and it, sometimes it can be that, you know, so it's definitely all intertwined. But like we're talking about, if you were raised where karma and any connection with the universe or energy is like mumbo jumbo dumb yeah, just not then truly you're only dealing with metrics of material and technically yeah. if you're only dealing with metrics 
metrics of material, if it's over there, yeah. it's fully over there unless my mouth leaks it or I'm sloppy. Yeah. You know, and so the goal is like just don't be sloppy. But you know, when you whenever we summon our like most of the time we know we're doing something that's not quite right. Because we get that feeling. A lot of times we are our mind yeah, will rationalize see, it out. Like that's your mind. And I'm telling you, by my by the look of like you know the our hot tub experience, like I really that's it was so separated right. that it wasn't like in my mind going yeah but you're doing something wrong right but perhaps I would suggest though it was probably because you were primarily in your mind yeah and you know a lot of times when we go into our narrative or telling a story or reactionary lying or reactionary adjusting the truth if we stop before we do that we call time out like on a basketball team you call time out and then you get all your team together you know you get your ego you get your logic you get your all these things and your spirit together and then you go okay so and just even that second of just doing that and going what do you think it changes everything but yeah. most of us if we don't ever think to ask what our mind ego thinks what our intuition feels and these things we just go the mind and ego just keep going yeah and it's momentous yep. and then all of a sudden the mouth of the mind starts saying shit that the spirit's like I knew but you never asked me and I'm, I'm humble as a rock the ego the, the spirit never yells it's always very quiet that's why you have to meditate and do things being quiet to connect with it so the mind likes mode it's like a machine and so you know but I, it makes perfect sense that it's not to yeah. say that you didn't know right or maybe it is safe that you didn't know because no is based upon knowledge. I didn't feel it. But in your in your whole being, you knew, but you weren't accessing the part that had the information. Mm-hmm. You know. So. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. So that kind of runs us into, you know, that whole uh, we thought that we had closed uh, the chapter of. You know, I have a 10-year super friendship with, uh, that included sex that Tian didn't know about with his super old-school friend, mentor, uh, friend. Right. Me and him didn't have a sexual relationship. No, you and him didn't have a sexual relationship. Uh, he and I did. And we... So that relationship basically blew up three years ago, three plus years ago, when uh, I told Tian about it, uh, you know, I didn't give him any heads up on, uh, hey, I am about to tell Tian, or oh, this is what's going on, and, uh, you know, Did I mean, you determine the name of him, so that way you, we will know you're not them, they, him, Yeah, they. yeah, it's going to be Brian. Okay. Right. Uh, so Brian and I had an agreement that was very explicit that uh, I would not tell Tian, and if asked, I'm like, nope. That, I don't know. So you're gonna take about. it to the grave, right? Yeah. And you know, he trusted that that's what I was gonna do. I trusted that that's what I was gonna do. Uh, and then when you and I went deep, and 
it became apparent that it was my time to actually start telling the truth and the alternative was I was either gonna tell the truth or we probably weren't gonna be together. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, all right, here's the truth. I didn't give Brian any heads up. I actually like was off communication with him for probably some weeks before that, right. which was not usual for us. Uh, and then I, uh, a few weeks after that, we were in, uh, you know, I went and just, you know, showed up at his house and was like, hey, this is what happened. I told Tion. And understandably, that kind of shocked, you know, shocked his jaw. Uh, relationship between Tion, Brian, and I blew up, and that was that. Uh, Tion had asked me if I, you know, what did I want to do about a relationship with Brian? I told him that I wasn't going to have it, right. wasn't going to continue it. And that was that. That was three years ago. Did I give you an ultimatum? Nope. You just asked me, and I took, I don't know, five minutes, and I, you know, actually let my spirit tell me what would happen and how. Right. Uh, and I clearly saw that it was not, you know, um, the value was in us you know, rebuilding our relationship, it was not in me continuing my relationship with Brian. Right. So, and that was that. And it was what it was. Uh, I emailed Brian twice over the three-year period, and he never responded. And the last email I had sent him was probably 16 months ago. Right, but so after it all came out, it didn't all come out. No. So this no. is about the narrative and telling the story is that it, the the root came out, but then there well, were well the factual the like factual okay yeah out. we had sex right but, but it, it it took several times of more information to come out and more information to come out and more information to come out up to a couple years maybe yeah it definitely right. took probably fully. A year and a half, two years to get to the point where I could freely say, "Yeah, I really care about the dude," and the our whole entire friendship was really cool, and our sexual relationship was really cool. Right. Like that was that took me a long time and at least three sets of approaches to right to be able to say it like that right and that's the caveat for we'll keep continue but this specific part um when you're trying to amend your past or your partner is trying to amend their past um and you just you know they they drop a bomb on you or you discover they lied and they tell you what happened you know i i've learned to go give space allow room for more to come out allow it to be a process of cleansing not one act of cleansing because right. what happens if you don't respect the process and allow it to take a long like a time as long as it's going to take you assume one time oh it's all done it's all out and 
that's it. So what happens is you sew it back up after that surgery. Then two or three weeks later, a month or two later, a year later, they go, oh, man, I, I, there was more to that story. I need to tell you more. Then you go, how could you do that to me? How could it have happened? And you just or go it right wasn't through even it. Like, you know, in our situation, it wasn't even like that. No, that's not what I'm talking yeah. about. I'm talking about our situation. I'm saying just it didn't happen in our situation because I knew and told myself, give room for her to get. This is a long process. It's not going to come out all overnight. And that's what my spirit said. Just give it space. Expect her to fall on her face or expect it to happen again or expect it to take a while before she learns how to do it this way versus how she's done it her life. Um, and so for other couples, when I talk about it, it's like give space. Coming clean is a process. It is not a one-time thing. You don't just go to the bathroom, poop, and flush, and it's done. And a lot of times our pain wants to, wants to hear that it's done wants to believe that it's done because it's too painful to be in that nuance because you you may be, I don't know when or what's going to happen. So it's really hard to be in that space. But I encourage people to be in that space and allow it to be a process. So that way, if they lied once and then they told you, I'm, you they caught you caught them or whatever, you, they caught you, um, everybody should know it's a process. If I lied before, I'm probably going to lie again. And the reasons don't mean it's nefarious or deceitful complete as far as the intent. I'm working through something. And as long as you feel and know that I'm working through it as well as you're working through stuff, it may take a little bit longer than the one conversation. It's, it's you know, I actually heard an unrelated podcast I was listening to today. And it had to do with racism and how white people, in this case it was white women, you know, how they learn how to find their footing, you know, in this whole, how how do I show I'm not a racist? How right. do I, what can I say? What can I not say? And then stepping into it, right? And, mm -hmm. and saying something and people look at you like, oh, that's nice how you can just be a casual racist. Mm -hmm. And that makes them feel really bad. And then this one woman said, you know, she stepped into it and then she went and fully apologized to the person and said, oh, that would never happen again. But then she, in the same conversation, like in the podcast, she was like, well, I'm sure it's going to happen again. Right. Because it's muscle memory. It's yeah. what we know, right? It's what we know for so long. And that's why we say it the way right. we say it. We do it the way we do it. We get caught into it. We feel really super bad about it. Right long enough for us to apologize and want to make sure that no one feels bad anymore we move on chances are we're going to do it again right. if you're like me like i really am super hard-headed and i'm going to keep doing it until it clicks in me you right. know you don't like making the same mistake twice because you don't like getting caught right uh you would probably sit there and think for a long time how can I prevent that from happening? Right. Me, I'm be like, oh, I got this. Right. And right. next time when it happens, I'm like, oh, I thought I got this, but no, I didn't get it. Right. And then I do it again, and I'm like, fuck, you know, I really thought this time I really got it. Right. And it's after that, I'm like, all right, I have to do something different. I actually have to proactively prepare myself and train and start changing the muscles that I'm using. Right. You know, but I have to fail so many times. Right. And, you know, and it's a process just the same way, you know, we use analogies to go to say warriors because we're out here in Cali, in the Bay. Um, Draymond 
has gotten technical fouls and it's cost him games and maybe even some say the championship. And he probably was like, my bad, my bad. I got this. I got it. Don't worry about it. It's not going to happen again. Yep. Later on next year, whatever heat of the moment, it happens again. Steph Curry, turnovers, 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 throwing the ball behind your back, doing that. And he's probably like, all right, coach, I'm sorry. Not going to happen again. Yep. And that's what happens is. And we sincerely mean that. Right. But the reality is, you know, it happens again. Yeah. You know, there's a series of emotional things or knee jerks or circumstances that make us go into our, our, um, just our impulse, our reaction mode, you know. That's blink. Yeah, this blink. Like, we don't realize we're doing it, but we're just muscle, like mental and emotional muscle memory. Just boom. There's that, that uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink, mm-hmm. that talks actually about that. Right, about how we make split-second decisions and how the way we make decisions is very different than how we think we make right. decisions. Right, exactly. Um, so give space. If someone's trying to come clean, if you believe that they're really genuinely trying to come clean, tell yourself as a person who's receiving this, um, that's probably hurt, that's probably the one that feels betrayed, is if you love this person, you plan on really trying to work it out, give space. As, as hard as it is to just go, you know what? It might happen again, and it doesn't mean they're evil. It's a long process. Let me just use other metrics besides absolutes to see if they're really working on it yeah. from there. So, um, back to the story. Yeah. So back to the story. So, take a break. Hold on. We're gonna take a little quick station identification. This is Black Russian Podcast episode thirty-five. Oh brought God, to you by. We have matching cups of tea. By tea, and it hasn't dribbled down my face. <laughs> So, we appreciate you guys for listening. Part four of episode 35 coming up in three, two, one. All right, we're back. Oh, there's our heads. Okay. Fixing this. Yeah, it's our, it's our broadcasting studio. We got live and direct. All right, so yeah, so finishing your story. So, the last email I sent to Brian was like 16 months ago. Mm-hmm. And. A month ago, mm-hmm. I check my emails in the morning, and there's an email from him, and I'm like, "Holy fucking shit!" Like that's an old. That must be an old email. Like I have not seen anything from him in three plus years. Right. And then I'm looking at it, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, no, that's a new email." Mm-hmm. And I was at the airport flying to see a client, and. It was early in the morning, and I'm like, uh, Tion, I got an email from Brian. Because right. I'm like, all right, I better, I've learned. Uh, so this is, you know, when I got it, I'm like, all right, well, this is obviously a test for how I'm going to communicate this to Tion. Mm-hmm. And how I'm going to be able to navigate my own feelings and not hide anything, not minimize anything, and be you know, on the up and up, like we're testing what we're saying we have learned. Right. So I'm like, hey, I guess who I got an email from? And he's like, word? Word? <laughs> it's probably not what you want to hear at 8 in the morning, 7 30 right. in the morning. Well, it depends on which part of me. There's several parts right. of me, so. So, you know, I scan the email and, like, it's actually, like, not email cussing me out or anything it's actually a friendly email and 
uh, it's cool, you right. know. I forwarded it to Tian so he can see it, and I'm like, hey, I'm actually gonna be down your way today. I'm flying down. You know, you wanna meet for coffee? And he's like, yeah, sure. So we talk, start talking about meeting up for coffee, and I'm right. like, wow, that feels different. So we ended up not meeting up for coffee that day, but you know, that caused like Tian and I had a series of really cool conversations. I really enjoyed the way that it went right the whole process right like you gave me a lot of space and i could tell that you were tense about it right you were waiting to see what i was going to do and how i it wasn't as much as a, i what i was going to do right because i'm pretty sure you know what i was going to do and not going to do but it's how i was going to talk about it right and it's both i mean honestly you know for those years from when I found out until recently, I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm done with him. That was the first time I'm done. Like, I'm done, 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 done. You know, he's human. Uh, I don't hate him, but I'm done. I don't need that person in my life anymore. That's a sacrificial lamb for us to continue. And then as you get further away and you heal up a little bit more, you're further away, you're like, you know, I can understand where he was coming from and based on how he lives and how and why things went the way they went. Now, if he's willing to do X, Y, and Z as far as engage the conversation, um, I have room for forgiveness. But I'm still done. I don't. Wanna, I, I'll, I'll forgive. After a while, I kind of moved to like you know, if he can do that, you know, I can see a pathway for us being cool. Like we may never be what we were, but we'll be cool because, you know, to me, it's about, you know, if someone's willing to own their shit and sit in the fire and and respond to the conversations and hear my side and not scour or get defensive or put the ego hat on, then, you know, you know, as I try to be a good medium of the spirit of the universe, a connection, the universe rewards me for being able to embrace somebody who's doing the work, you know, and let go of the personal pain. So by this time I was in kind of in that space, but that's my spirit. My child who was hurt and devastated was like, oh shit, what does this mean? My warrior is like, oh shit, here we go again. Like she may just, you know, fall back into, you know, and then she go into the part where she's emotionally feeling this draw and this excitement, but mentally saying she's not. And then this happens again. So that was freaking out. Then the Joe Pesci in my head is like, fuck that. You know, I want to go cuss her and him out. I can't, I want to wait. My spirit says, guys, wait just wait you know if she does something that's worthy of getting cussed out we'll let you do it joe you know if she does something that's crazy i'll protect you to my inner child so we're all sitting like this in the room like the spirit's calm joe pesci's like looking out the window like and then my inner child is like freaking out over the corner oh my god oh my god oh my god so it was all of that was happening and where i'm and then my spirit my whole being is like this no it's cool just go ahead you know you know, and it was really cool that we were in different spaces. Right. You know, like, I'm in SoCal, you're like here, I'm with a client, it's not, you know, we're not in each other's space. So we were able to, you know, have a very steady, progressively better and less concerned conversation. Right. 
uh, I mean, the first thing was like, Tion was like, so what does it feel like to see his name in your inbox? Right. And I just went with how I felt and I'm like, I feels pretty good. Like it makes me happy. Right. Like it honestly makes me happy to see his name in my inbox. Now, you know, then there's these other feelings. Right. You know, and we talk about what does that mean? You know, because now you want to know what does that mean? Right. Makes you happy how? Does it make you want to go and rebuild that relationship now that you see there's an opening? What do you want to do with it? Right. And that kind of became the whole theme of the conversation. Right. Um, you know, and on that day, we got through where it was, I was able to speak super honestly about how I was feeling and, you know, what it was, what it meant to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... I think you felt that I wasn't playing and that I wasn't making, you know, I wasn't minimizing anything. Right, yeah. And I was just telling you how I felt and what I thought. So, that was that. Right. 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 I didn't leave anything else. No, no, that we're all there at the same, just kind of like feeling it out. And like she was saying, not only feeling me, feeling out um, what she's going to feel but also how she's going to tell it to me is she going to downplay it right is she going to take the lessons that we've learned that when in doubt over brutally honest versus hedged honesty and she did fine and so you know we're able to stay calm i didn't have any flags or any triggers nope so then you know like it didn't work out that i didn't you know that we didn't uh hang out for coffee and i was like you know i see this client once a month so I'm gonna give you a heads up and you know if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't right uh, and I had no like I had zero expectation about it nothing like there were no email communications or anything you know after that and then when I knew when I was going down next time I'm like hey I'm gonna be there such and such day you know let me know if it works for you and he's like okay cool so, you know, I checked in, whatever, we ended up making making uh, a coffee date that, you know, explicitly was going to last an hour and a half. Right. And then, <laughs> that's just a quirky person on the other side. And, you know, I, it was, I was excited. I was, uh, you know, like it was an interesting ride of emotion of like, I was super excited. And then as it got closer, I'm like, oh, but I don't want to get disappointed. Right. And I told T, like, I was telling you the whole time, like, what I was feeling. Right, the ride. The ride. And then my the last, I was like, you know, I really, like, I don't want to be dragging information out of him or dragging the actual, like, the... So the whole meeting for coffee just felt like, it's super easy for he and I to be in our old school style of communication that's really super comfortable. We right. did it for 10 years. We obviously really super like each other. And it's really easy for us to communicate. Right. And then I'm like, yeah, but then there is this, that's easy, but anyone can do that. But for us to have any sort of, you know, friendship going right. forward. Right, like authentic. Right, yeah. authentic, real friendship, you know, we need to get on the same page. I had done a whole bunch of work in the last 
three plus years. Right. And this dude knows nothing about it. Nothing, right? And he doesn't know how Tian feels. He has no clue where Tian and I are in our relationship. Right. So it's my job if, you know, if I am to meet with him, I'm not going to just hang out and have coffee and, you know, talk about family and friends. Right. But I'm like, all right, let me gauge if you are interested in any type of work to get to the same place. Right. And I got, as it got closer to us actually meeting, I started feeling like, oh God, that it's gonna feel like, I feel like it's gonna be just work. Right. You know, and I can put work in, if it's producing result, then it's exciting. Right. But if it's work for the sake of work and it's not being met with anything from the other side, it just sucks. And right. I'm like, all right, well, I can for the sake of, you know, what that relationship meant to me and what the trauma that Tian and I both have from it, like trying to work through it, I can put that work in fine. You know, one time it's fine. So, you know, we met up and it was super, like, I was super happy to see him. He was super happy to see me. It was super duper easy. And then half an hour into it, I'm like, all right, I only have like, you know, 45 minutes right, right. right? I left. I'm like, well, hey, let's talk. What do you want to do? He's like, whoa, you know, and it just became, I I pushed a little and I got like this much. Right. And then we rerouted to the easy parts of other stuff. Right. And then I pushed a little more and I got like a little more. Right. And then it got back rerouted. We ended up hanging out for three and a half hours, of course. Right. And then... I pushed again and I got even more and I'm like, all right, that's as much as I can do today. Right. There's probably enough for if he wants to work out anything with Tian. That's basically not about my relationship with him. Right. It was about Tian's relationship. Right. You know, and whether or not they can get to the point where there is no you know, like bad feelings between them two, because it's not even about creating a new friendship. Right now, it's you know, it's for me, it's about uh, amending the past enough to where we, you know, I personally feel that um, everyone's acknowledged their role in this. There's no heroes or villains. There's wrongdoings, but there's no heroes or villains in this, and that we can own that, and we don't have to be. Um, condemned by our shortcomings if we're willing to identify them and own them and apologize for them and be forthright like yeah and just sit in that space and so you know we went through that she went through seeing him and it was it was a it was a roller coaster ride of different feelings and angles um you know but we both ended up on the same page which was great is that if it can't be authentic and we can't um, communicate in the space that we are and who we yeah. are, then it's not necessary. Um, and so we worked through that. There was a few other rides of just trying to, you know, for her to process the different way that he would respond. He eventually wrote to me. Um, I wrote with questions. You know, he wrote back with some answers. I wrote back with more questions. Um, but all the while telling him, you know, um, me and Eula did a lot of work and that's why we're here and so it showed me that 
if you're willing to do the work, we can create some kind of friendship. If not, we can just be cool and I'll never speak bad about you. And if I see you, it's all love. And so he, you know, he, he kind of alluded that, you know, he's willing to just share what he could. And he did. Um, and he did enough. Like, it was, he's not the type of person who's going to nerd out like us. We're not going to have several conversations about it. And after the second conversation with, you know, through email and stuff, <clears throat> my spirit kind of tapped me. It was like, okay, it's good. Like, you know, we don't need to grill this person. He's sharing. He's sharing a lot. As compared to like compared to how he normally shares, he's sharing yeah. a lot. He's putting in the effort yeah. to do that, and it's a process. Give space. And so I ended the last one. Was like, you know, cool. You know, I appreciate you. You're very cool. Um, you know, and he's like, yeah, we, we can we can all link up because you like the next step will be for all of us to interact. And I said, yeah, it'll be cool. Um, and so then we started. Then once we got through there, we started talking about. The things that me and him would normally talk about in our friendship, about business and about yeah. kind of catching him up with some of the things I've done. He's kind of like a big brother mentor. Um, and so he gets really excited and he really cares about my well-being, my career and my path. And so I kind of updated him on that. So we kind of got into a space where we could generate some good, light, but rich energy. And then from there, the next email, he added some more honesty. And so it's, it's gotten to a place where, you know, you know we can move forward and that knot of pain and resentment um i'm now free of that i don't have to sit and be like you know because whether or not it's justifiable or not if we hold on to pain and anger and resentment it does stifle our yeah. flow you know and that's what the, that uh, meme was like you know holding on to pain or jealousy or or any of that is like swallowing a poison pill and, and being um, God damn it, how does it go? It's like trying to punch the other person by you swallowing the pill. Yeah. Because you're, you're living with that. You're harnessing that pain. So it felt really good to let go. It felt really good to let go in a, in a real way. Not like, fuck it, I don't care. I'm over right. it. Like, that's, that's still anger. But it was more like, nah, it's cool. Like, we, you know, there's a place for him. There's a reason why he was in my life for, you know, 30 years from when I was 12 years old up. There's a reason why he was in her life. Um, there's things that were done um, that probably weren't the best, but that's part of the face planning and growth. And now we have a chance to amend it all and do it right and omit the parts that were the parts we probably shouldn't have done and go there. And who knows what that will be? We may not be having family reunions at Kumbaya, but I know he feels good that He's able to share his honesty with me and have it be seen and heard and respected and understood. And that I share with him that I appreciate him and I, and I care about him. Um, and so now everybody can go, he can go back to the parts of his life and feel like he's not holding on to this one thing that like. Well, and also I think that, you know, it was absolutely not what he expected. Right. That that's how you will come through. Right. It was, uh, probably sort of a fishing expedition for him to understand where right. you were you know it, yeah. it was easier to reach out to me than to you uh and but that was how you responded to it mm -hmm. and how you went deep and then you came out of it you know with what he gave you and you appreciated and it wasn't you know, it was, it was, it really feels like it's done. Right. It was the last thing that he expected you to do. Right. So that, you know, 
without any i think i feel like without sharing with brian any details of what we have gone through in the last three years right for him to experience that process with you shows you where you are compared to where you were before right you know and how uh, there's a reason why he feels that much love for you right you know like you're higher on that pedestal than you were before right you know and that's i think that that's uh if all that comes out of it is that right like, then everybody can really feel can feel and then he gave him a little space a little taste of the space where no i can actually share how i feel and how i felt and right. what my decision making process was and i can navigate these things and look back and explain how yes this was wrong and that was wrong but i also felt this and i felt that right and it'd be a safe space it's kind of the same as i'm learning i can tell you how i feel i can tell you how i felt i can tell you how i still feel right i can tell you all the ups and downs and you understand right yeah and it ties into this whole episode about narration and telling the story is when i wrote to him after he reached out to me and I, my detailed email I was able to, with the guidance of, you know, being calm and being a peace of mind and hearing all the people, people in me, to write to him about how painful it was and how I couldn't believe it and how what the fuck. Um, and at the same time, go, but I never checked and got paranoid because my gut felt whatever you guys, your friendship was good. It was healthy. Um, and so I was able to show him, like, I didn't come off to him like you're wrong I was right if you can admit that you were totally wrong and I was a victim we'll be friends again it was more like being able to tell the whole story like all the while I went through all this of being betrayed and just being completely blown away by all of this shit at the same time though I understand why you did what you did I understand why she did i understand the role that you guys played in each other's lives i do see the benefit in it there's nothing wrong with that and if, if the wrong thing was just in how this there's an ounce of deception that blossomed as far as part of the bed um and so he was able to feel that and yeah. when, when you're able to share the whole story where there's you know there's heroes and villains but they're not assigned to people heroes and villains are the energy and the actions but those aren't permanent to people those flow. Jealousy flows. Envy flows. Deception flows. It's not like it's stamped to one person and the other person's an angel. Mm-hmm. Um, and able to do that, it gives the other person room to then open up and be and own up without feeling like it's a, it's a battle of who needs to take what on. Um, and if I'm grateful that I was able to have the right nourishment and support and just not be so triggered to where I could do that um, because it really ended this spiral of resentment. It really ended the spiral of like this feeling you get when you think of this person um, or when you think of what happened. It gives you a place for it all. Like, mm. yes, there's room for the pain. There's room for the betrayal. All that is valid. There's room to understand that there is a loving, caring camaraderie that they had. And it wasn't to my detriment. It was to my benefit, although the actions and pathway may not have been aligned with that. The intentions were not all one day. So like, you can all that is room for all of that in the story. In our story, there's room for 
me to be completely hurt and betrayed in a series of like bone breaking deceptions and learning about it. Um, but there's also room to know why Eula did it, where she came from. Also, all the other amazing good shit she does for me, all the other ways she shows me how much she values me and appreciates me and puts me in a higher space. Um, there's room for all of that. You know, it's not all hero or all villain. There's room for all of that. And that gives us room to face plant, to feel like I fucked up. I need to amend this um, and know that you will not be guillotined and beheaded because of what you've done. You'll actually be welcomed with space to share that and have and be greeted by both the repercussions of your actions, the pain of what you've caused, but also the hope and the listening space and the compassion and the understanding that we're human and, and we're going to fall and we're going to fuck up and we're going to keep moving as long as we both want to. So it, how's that for a bow? Is that a bow? There's a bow. There you go. Yeah. So, so yeah. the juicy detail or the juicy question that I got from... No, there are no juicy details oh, that I you don't like, know about. Well, shit. The, the juicy questions that uh, I got with, you know, the, from the couple of people that I shared with, like, right. hey, guess who popped up? They're like, oh, are you going to have sex with him again? Right. Like, that's, like, number one question. Right. And that's really why I wanted to do this episode. Right. To close this. Because... Perfect. You got, like, 12 minutes. Yeah, I'm done. I'm almost done. <laughs> because I I was like, really? That's the question you're going to ask me? Right. After all the stuff that you have watched me go through? Right. And maybe maybe I don't share enough. Like, maybe right. <laughs> I don't, like, you know, I, I, maybe I, the things that I share don't really accurately reflect how I, like, the, the, all the stuff we went through. Right. Uh, because Brian popping up and me feeling happy about it didn't equate to anything near sex to me. Like, right. You know, and that's the first question that comes out. So I'm like, you know, let, let's, let's go on this little journey and explain how, what happened and how we rounded it out. And it was not a rounding out between he and I to create this other relationship. Right. But it's really rounding out in the way that we have trained to share and live and it's creating the, you know, like I, I feel that after, you know, the way that we have handled it right. makes energy go flow through without any snags. Right. Yeah. You know, um, it's not for me, it's not for you, it's for us. Right taking everything into that happened into account. I can't just dismiss the trauma both in you and I, right. the years of learning from it, the face plants, all of that, and jump back into, oh, the dude's back. I'm really happy I still I feel the same way about him as I did before. Let me go get some. Right. Like that it, that, that none of that equates to this. Right. And we'll get more into 
why people ask that question, <laughs> you know, in that next episode of some, but it goes into what we talked about is, you know, communication is a multi-lane street. We tell our stories a certain way. There's no guarantees what the other person's going to hear because a lot right. of times as subjective as the storyteller is, if we're not careful, which is the lesson of this, the listener is equally as subjective and we usually gravitate towards things that fit our narrative, you know, and what fits the narrative is either what they're looking for, what is interesting to them yeah, it's what's and stuff like that. And it may, yeah. you may be like, you know, the moral of the story is all of this. And they're like, but yo, though, like, but are you gonna have sex? Like, you're right, but, but, but is it gonna happen though? Cause like, this shit is like a a Netflix series, <laughs> and this is season three. So I'm wondering if like y'all gonna do this in the next one. So I need to like set my timer. You know what's also funny? I just told you I left. You know I do gratefuls every day, and today's gratefuls I had sex in, and. Well, elaborate that. What does that mean? I had sex. I just in. No, right. So it said literally, it said sex with like a, a happy something. emoji, right? Right. I mean, it was your gratefuls, but I did not take sex out. Right, right. So it just said one word, right? right? And people that normally don't jump on my gratefuls, like, oh, hey, that makes me happy, or hey, right. you've never said that before, right? I'm like, okay, well, that's interesting. If I want someone's attention, maybe I just need to start throwing yep. things Catch in Catch word, like sex. That. Yeah, just like one word, sex. sex. Yeah. Head. Well, it just, I think, like, to, me, to me, it's that it says that, you know, we don't talk about it in, like, a normal way. Right. Everyone loves it. Everyone loves it. It makes everyone happy. Right? It makes everyone happy. But we only talk about it in some scandalous way. Right. And in, oh, I don't get enough of it way. Right. But or, not. Or in the most, it's the most divine come to Jesus way. It's right. sacred. It must only be. When in reality, it can be all of that. But in the there's a big middle. Yeah. If it's good, it's really fun. If it's right. not that good, it's still fun that it happened. Right. You know? Yep. So it's the same. It's like, are you going to have sex with him? No. Uh, and, you know, juicy details are going to have to come from some other source. Yeah. So that is episode 35. This is our first episode where we just recorded video and we'll put it in the YouTube. Do you say why? How we came up with this concept? Uh, well, it's a, <laughs> it's a longer story, but the short of it is a few weeks ago, someone broke into my spaceship and took my backpack that had my laptop with everything on it, that had my portable studio, it had my external hard drive, it had my iPad and everything. It took my whole battle, right. my office. It basically just took my office. Um, and so I'm in the process of rebuilding that. We got the computer, we got the portable studio, but the little fucking cable <laughs> did not work. So we recorded this on my phone, Galaxy Note 8. Bam. There you also, can. we tried out our review driving to LA. We tried out our, our video review of the Smiths. The Smiths, meet the, the Smiths. Table. And you know, it sounded pretty audible minus the loud noise of a car's driving. So this was like, boom. So now you can see us because some of you guys are like, you should do it on YouTube. So you can see us as Say well as again. hear us. YouTube. YouTube. 
it's like the Russian, black Russian YouTube. And uh, so it'll be up there. It's here. If you're watching it, you know it's here because you're watching it. If you're listening on Podomatic iTunes, thank you. Rate our shit. Make comments. All that stuff. I hear it's great. We'll eventually get sponsors. We'll take it on tour. We'll come to your city. We'll do this live and direct. And I stuff think like we're going to sponsor ourselves and go to your city. Yeah, maybe we'll just show up at like yeah. a cafe. And like, Yo, we're we're going to start showing up. We're going to be like, here. Hey, we're here. Boom. Meet us over here. Yeah. Um, so that's that. Once again, always thank you guys for listening. We ask if you like this, share it with somebody. Um, word of mouth seems to be what's been working really well for us. We yeah. get people, you know, periodically, you know, but consistently saying, I'm listening to your podcast. Not, like, they find it through different ways, different channels. We appreciate it. And grateful is I'm grateful that my face is now slowly denumbing from my dentist today. And I'll be ready to like drink a smoothie and finish watching the Warriors game. Yeah. I am grateful that we don't have to be outdoors and our house is not on fire. Yes. Prayers go out to the folks who are yeah. definitely affected first, second, third, fourth hand. Yep. Um, by it all. We will complain about the air quality, but. That's yeah. just, you know, that's minor compared it's to... Re- it's quite relative. Yep. Um, yeah, grateful for believing in the power of positive energy, gratitude, and minimizing situations, people, places, things that are toxic. Because um, it gratitude and joy bring gratitude and joy. Um, and it's not easy to do that. In this normal environment, our society right now, with all the politics, all the shit, it's really hard. Um, it's not something you just set on autopilot. You really got to work for it. And I'm glad we've been doing it because the results have been amazing on personal level, um, internally, mentally, emotionally, and just opportunity-wise and collaboration-wise, it's been amazing. Yeah, I'm grateful for you know the space that I have with my mom now to start using the lessons that I have learned to hopefully give her some space to feel herself and to express herself. Uh, Something that I know she hasn't had in, I don't know, maybe ever. And I'm also grateful for the reputation that I have amongst my Russian friends that I'm hearing that they're like, yeah, of course your kids would talk about, you know, all kinds of stuff because yes. look at their mom her reputation like, she's yes. a free spirit yes the reputation is that so, I'm a free spirit whoa. raising very free spirited kids and so that she'll makes be doing, me really happy yeah, she'll be doing karaoke soon like on here uh, she's also grateful for almost bowling a 200 well I <laughs> don't feel that almost I almost bowled 200 <laughs> you know that I almost bowled 200 twice yeah. I don't feel it so I'm like I'm happy with 182 yeah she got 182 <laughs> so she doesn't she has know that feeling of like Technically, a 182 is a fail 200. No. The same way, if I bowl 279, I'm not excited about it because that means I almost had a 300. But I didn't tell her. I don't want to steal her joy. So that's no. what it is. Tian Buku One, you you know. the Park Ranger, the Black Christian Podcast, episode 35. Thank you. And it's a special request to all divine empress. When in my arms is no stress, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. This one is for my empress. 
I said I need to know what's on your mind No, 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 yeah, yeah Cause if I alone you want Then I got my eyes on you, my daughter And if you find us watching it Then you can try this one with me, baby Cause if I alone you want Then I got my eyes on you, my daughter And if you find us watching it Then just try this one, this love thing kinda new But me into it When me looking at my heart, I'm into it And say that it's about thing to it But I never been through it I mean you want to bring to it Me give thanks for that And me never bring no fancy chat Them other boy they announce it that And I you, me a plan for luck And me not gonna keep a share Fit nobody figure reach in there Your house, you're my sleep in there Take a seat in your easy chair We are reason about metaphysics and Egypt here Never preaching out Never once see me sneaking out I'm speaking out Cause I got a lot on my mind And the usual pattern of mine It's just a one night stand Let me back on the grind But you are top of the line I'm a telling you now, yeah Cause if I alone you want Then I got my eyes on you, my daughter And if you find us watching me Then you can try this one with me, baby Cause if I alone you want Then I got my eyes on you, my daughter And if you find us watching it, need, need, need Set me love all your curve and your shapes are good For the fire outside you be taking wood For the sake of the greater good We are a patriot and you are make sure my papers good With you me a trot from the land and sea And you never did abandon me So no matter what happen I got your back And if them attack I me give them a back And I set the pattern Still you can't stamp on your feet there eh? It's a real love we are seek death And when I find you, you're so fine and true Me have to find more time for you When me rhyme every line for you Nobody feels it, me just a talk about it Them other girl, them me never ever have a talk about it Me without you love, I like the animal Them hang up in the slaughterhouses And I'm telling you baby That if I alone you want Then I got my eyes on you, my daughter And if you find us watching it Then you can try this one with me, baby Cause if I alone you want Then I got my eyes on you, my daughter And if you find us watching it Then you can try this one with me She had the prettiest thing when me ever saw So me can ring the alarm like I saw Baby girl I hope you answer me when I call Cause when I call this stick shift will never stall Say she want the general for the baby army Say she wall lock me down like the federal Every aunt in the bitch she want to get it from me So me give her the trombone when she get in honey eh. And if I alone you want Then I got my eyes on you my daughter And if you find us watching it Then you can try this one with me, baby Cause if I alone you want Then I got my eyes on you, my daughter And if you find us watching it Yeah, 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 yeah This love thing kinda new, but me into it When me looking at my heart, I'm into it And say that it's about thing to it But I never been through it I mean you want to bring through it But give thanks for that And me never bring no fancy chat Them and a boy there and Nancy that And I you be a plan for luck And me not gonna keep it sure If nobody figure reaching here